This episode is presented by Henry's Wine and Spirit. I am here at Fifth Hammer Brewing Company for the monthly NYC Ferment Meetup group. There is an amazing table of people and all kinds of ferments. So we're going to talk to everybody and uh, see what they brought. So introduce yourself. My name is Nikki Bartlett. Um, I have a business called Saltet and I make sauerkrauts, pickles, all kinds of yummy, salty, delicious things. Awesome. And you brought sauerkraut tonight as well yes. as some fermented tea leaves. So tell me a little bit more about that. They were both delicious. Um, so the sauerkraut I make for stores right now, um, and I have a few different varieties. What I brought tonight was a classic sauerkraut, but with beets, carrots, and pears in it. So it's a little bit sweeter, also garlic. So it's, it's got that pungent, and I use it on everything. I put it on tamales, sandwiches. It's a great, versatile sauerkraut. I also brought the um, fermented tea leaves. So I went to Burma last year and fell in love with the tea leaf salad and got a little bit addicted to it, came back to New York. There is one single Burmese grocery store in Queens. Have you been? Oh, no. You should go. Jackson Heights, perchance? It's very close, yeah. Closer to Flushing, okay. But it's like a, it's in one of these little tiny malls, four by four maybe grocery store. But they have everything Burmese in there. So I bought my first couple of packages there, and they're a little bit pricey because they have everything you know shipped bulk from there, and it's just. It's Wait, and you were buying fast. fermented tea leaves from them? I was buying okay. from them. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. and I thought this habit is a little bit too expensive to keep up, so. I did a lot of research and started trying my own. And this batch that I have going, I I did one batch um, with lemon juice, which was recommended. And then the other batch, I decided to inoculate with sauerkraut brine because I felt like I was already starting with the dry tea leaves. And I felt like I need a little help just to make sure it's all going to be successful. So I had two batches still going now. They're about five weeks old. And I guess in Burma, they do it under the ground, and it's like about a six-month process. Um, so if you tried it, it's probably still pretty bitter to you. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had fermented tea leaves. I don't know. I yeah. thought they were good, and yeah, I thought it was really quite tasty, actually. Really? Although I think right now, well, especially as a garnish, I yeah. would say, yes. right? I mean, this young... Yeah, you don't eat them straight. Yeah. It's like diluted with cabbage and, you know, all that yummy stuff they make the salad out of. Um, but it's funny because at the beginning, the, the sauerkraut brine one started to taste better, like it was going, and then it stopped, and then the lemon juice one kind of took over, and that one is so much more tender, so much more flavorful now... Um, so, I don't know. We'll see who wins. Yeah. <laughs> but they're both kind of interesting to taste. The, the bitterness is mellowing out. The leaves are getting more tender. They're not as tough. Um, but it's fun. And hopefully I can use this to, you know, sustain my habit. Yeah. So are you adding any flavorings to the tea leaves no. at this point? So just straight? Just straight. Yeah, okay. I know they do it with... Actually, I listened to the podcast that you guys had on. That was part of my research. 
um, they do add like chilies and stuff, and I think that's for the more prepared, ready-to-go version. Yeah. But just the regular um, tea leaves, it's just brine. I use the two percent brine, and then you know the sauerkraut, and then the lemon juice for the other. Awesome. So, what other sauerkrauts are you making? I make a plain Jane set. That's the name of it. Plain Jane's just regular sauerkraut. I make uh, apple turmeric. That's more it's on the sweet side um that's been the favorite for a while but now i've started selling at willoughby general and they love the beet one so they're selling the beet one right now um the other what, what's your favorite thing to put your um the apple turmeric on or like what kind of you know foods do you like to eat the apple turmeric one i love with sausage just traditional you know it's but the beet one, I don't. It's there's something more. It's not just a plain sweet, but it's a little bit more complex. So I feel like it goes better with, um, you know, on sandwiches, just more as a as a garnish than a, a main dish because it's a very powerful kind of flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And where can people find out more information about your company? Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, saltet, S-A-L-T-E-T-T-E dot com is the website. And if they want to buy my products, they can go to Willoughby General, which is currently the only grocery store selling them. But Where is Willoughby General? It is at, uh, shoot. Or what neighborhood, I guess? It's in Bed-Stuy. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's awesome. in Bed-Stuy on the west side, I would say, closer to Williamsburg. Around Flushing Avenue. Thank you so much for talking to me and sharing Thank your you. ferments tonight. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed them. Yeah, I did. I love. I'm, I'm excited to uh, to hear more how, how the tea leaves experiment. Is yeah, good. yeah, for sure. I'll keep you informed. Awesome. I'll be back to more meetups. Awesome. So, cool. My name is Arnish Schlissel, and tonight I brought with me a uh, goat yogurt and also a rutabaga kimchi. Uh, it's the first time I ever tried making any kind of dairy ferment, so that was kind of exciting. But and it's excellent. Let me. It's delicious. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, the reason I particularly chose that is because I'm kind of lactose intolerant, and I have trouble finding goat yogurt in my local supermarket. I figured they always have goat's milk. I'll just make my own and not worry about it. And that's that seems to be uh, working out okay so far. So what kind of milk do you... St- what? So do you remember the name of the brand? Oh, it's uh, Meyerberg, I think. It's it's available in most of the local New York City okay. area supermarkets. Cool. Uh, and uh, I took a couple of spoonfuls of, uh, I think it's Redwood brand goat yogurt that I had previously had it, uh, that I was working through and uh, use that as my starter and it worked out beautifully awesome what and you just did it at standard yogurt it's a like a warm ferment right 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 so first you heat the milk up to about 180 185 for 10 20 minutes uh, stirring it constantly and then you let it cool down to 110 115 and then you incubate it at that temperature, around 110, 115, I incubated it for 12, 13 hours. Cool. Uh, what's your, what's, what weight, what method did you use to incubate? I mean, oh. I know, you know, I, I haven't yeah. made yogurt in a while, yeah. but I used a sous vide stick, but before that, I would find, you know, a warm part of That's my That's what I did apartment. also. I okay. used a sous vide awesome. stick, awesome. and I, I poured it into two pint jars, 
sank them in the sous vide bath, and let it sit uh, overnight. Awesome. Yeah. And then tell about your rutabaga. Oh, the rutabaga. I've been playing with kimchi for uh, uh, probably about half a year now. Actually, for longer. Uh, I started making kimchi a couple of years ago. Again, it's something that it's something that I really enjoyed because I would buy kimchi in the supermarkets in Chinatown, and 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 I really enjoyed. It and I thought, why don't I start making it? And um, I've been playing with different methods and different ingredients in the last few months. So, having tried daikon radish kimchi, I I was going to try turnips next but a close friend of mine really likes rutabaga and and he said why don't you use rutabaga instead so I did and right now he's in Berlin working on a an art project so he'll have to wait till he comes back uh, before he can try it and hopefully he'll like it um, and where do you source your I guess your kimchi ingredient like do you use the red peppers oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well where do you source that so the vegetables themselves, I usually source at one of the local farmers markets. Uh, but other things, you know, in the middle of the winter, I'll get some stuff in Chinatown, like cabbages, things like that, because they're not available otherwise. Uh, things like the the pepper flakes, some of the other spices. Uh, the pepper flakes can be hard to get. You have to find. It's hard to find the right ones. Those you kind of have to go to a Korean market for. There's a few of those in the New York City area. Other spices can be found. There's a place in Sunset Park I like to go to. Uh, I think they're around 20th Street, around and 3rd Avenue. They have tons of spices at, at really good prices. And there's other things. Uh, let me see. So things like the, uh, the anchovy sauce. If you want to use the Korean anchovy sauce, that's hard to find. That you kind of have to go to a place like H Mart or Korean Specialty Store. But if you want to use the Vietnamese anchovy sauce or Thai anchovy sauce, those are very easy to find. Any Asian market has those. I always like to ask these because it's always interesting, especially, I mean, we're very lucky in New York City that yeah. we can we have access. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you have to take a longer subway, you know, right. train than, you know, ride than you normally do. But yeah. I always love to ask people where they, you know, where they, right. you have favorite you know, particularly grocery stores. Right, right. And, uh, I mean, I've learned, living in New York all my life, I've learned that if you want this ethnic food, there's a place to find yes, it. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, insert ethnic food here. Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, like, if, if I want to get certain kinds of, of smoked fish, I know the Russian places in Brighton Beach will have it. Uh, and it's it's the same kind of thing. If I if I know that I need a certain Asian ingredient, I know a few places I can check first before I hit Google Maps and start and start really searching for it in yeah. depth. Yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I have not made yogurt for a few mm. years, but you inspired me to also make goat's milk yogurt because that's probably Use. my favorite yogurt there is. Great. So, Use your sous vide yeah. stuff. Yes, I know. I'm, I'm inspired again. So thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. This episode is presented by Henry's Wine and Spirit, a go-to shop for anyone interested in natural wines and boutique spirits. There's a large selection of everything from orange wines, pet gnats, and reds from around the world. Whether visiting the shop in person or online, 
Looking for a gift for a loved one or that everyday dependable bottle? You're sure to find lots of interesting wines at Henry's. There's free shipping on orders over $300 on the website henrys.nyc and case discounts when you visit the store located in Bushwick. Cheers! Hi, so I'm Elmo. I'm one of the co-organizers for the uh, NYC Fermentation Group. Uh, tonight I brought kombucha, which is something that I don't make. Uh, tonight was all about things that you don't usually make. New year, new things, spring. And so I brought kombucha because I suck at making drinks. I make a lot of solid vegetable ferments. I make tons of kimchi and I'm recently getting into miso and things like that. And drinks are not something that I do. And I'm a little embarrassed because it came out really good. It came out really it came good. Out, so uh, that was really the that was I, yeah. I am ashamed that I did not try more things that were were shared at the fermentation group because yeah. we're at the brewery and I'm doing a bunch of other stuff yada yada yada. But that was the only thing I'd had, and it was awesome. And I was like, who made this? And it was amazing. So you brought it in a growler. Uh, it was your first time ever making it. Or, I, or no? I made it a long time ago, and I anything that you've got to keep like a pet, anything that's like a um, sourdough starter, a kombucha scoby, things like that. Kefir I, grains. Kefir <laughs> grains. Yes. I will kill it. I'm really good at that. I, if you want me to kill something, I can do that. But keeping it alive for a bunch of weeks, I'm not very good at doing that. So I had given up on it, and I recently bought a bottle of kombucha from somebody else and grew my own scoby and... Apparently, now I'm actually okay at making kombucha. So what is a long time ago? Um, it was at least a year ago, probably two years ago, that I tried to make kombucha. How, much, first how much did you make of it? How much did you make of it? A couple gallons. A couple gallons. Yeah. And so you brought yeah. a half well, gallon in the growler today. That's a full gallon. That's a 64. That's a half a gallon. Is it? Yeah. Wait, 128 a gallon? Yep. All right, then, yeah, I made it happen. But that's not, I wait, think, that's from... I've been brewing wrong yeah. all this time. <laughs> uh, you wait. know better. You know this way better than I do. But this is a refresh. This is the, from the SCOBY that you cultured from a bottle, or this is from a year ago? That's right. Um, okay. If, okay, so if that's you, okay. If you want to cheat at your kombucha, you can just go buy a bottle of plain kombucha, make some sweet tea, pour that kombucha into it, and wait for a mother to grow. It'll happen. But you want to get it fresh, right, and no, like, mm. like you said, plain. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to get anything flavored... Uh, well, I, I, I don't know. After a while, you'll eventually cycle out the flavors that were in the original bottle. But if you don't want to have conflicting flavors and you want it to be whatever your thing is going to be, then just get a plain bottle of kombucha. How long did it take you to... Was it, no, so that what... Ooh, was that a commercial bottle that you bought or a... That it, you... It was, okay. which is a little shady. Uh, and I mean, I've done it before you know, with you know, one of the bigger brands that... Was, yeah, you know, you could do that. That was fresh. Yeah, but um, how long did it take you to Buy grow local. the mother? Buy local. Yeah. There's a lot. We're in Brooklyn, and there's a lot of good brewers in Brooklyn. Buy local, if you know, even if it means you're gonna steal their cultures to make stuff in your own house. But, um, but it took uh, maybe five days for it to start to acidify properly. But to get a decent mother, it took you know a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's not bad though. Yeah. Pretty good. It depends on the temperature in your house. And then was this kombucha flavored or? Yeah, this one was a lemon ginger. Okay. So w when you did that in secondary, I assume? Yes. Secondary happened in secondary fermentation for anybody who doesn't know. So the primary fermentation just happened in a big jug. Um, and you used black tea? That had a spout on it with black tea um, and some uh, unrefined sugar. 
and then the secondary fermentation happened in the vessels that it's being served out of. So that growler, I've got a couple of smaller growlers at home uh, that have the same thing in it, but you make the tea and whatever flavoring that is going to be part of the secondary fermentation, fill the bottles part of the way with the primary and then add the tea that's got the flavoring so that the cultures are in there and you're, uh, surprisingly, carbonating in the bottle the way that this did, and it came out really good. So you did a lemon ginger tea. I did a black tea with lemonade in it, and I boiled ginger in with the black tea while it was happening. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. It's always interesting because you can get those, you know, a lot of the flavors that you can use, you can get a lot of different ways. So it's always interesting as to to hear what parts of the, you know, how you get the flavors from. Yeah, I I bought a commercial lemonade uh, because it was already sweetened and that had all of the sugar in it that I needed to get the carbon dioxide and the additional acid that I was going to need for the flavor of the secondary ferment. It was insane. It was bright and beautiful and inspiring. Like, I had it, and I was like, God damn it, we need to be doing some of that, some more of that right now. Well, I was like, God damn it, why don't I make more kombucha? (laughs) (laughs) Are you now inspired? This is actually, uh, I'm, I'm, I guess, by accident, better at it than I thought I was. So, yeah. Uh, But one of the other things that you, that you, that you have been fermenting primarily, uh, that you are. Um, well, you feel like you've been more what are you most excited about that yeah, you have going on? Well, uh, as a uh, Italian guy from Alabama, of course, most of what I make is kimchi. Because <laughs> right. that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense, right? Actually, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I make tons and tons of kimchi. Um, I mainly make pechu kimchi, you know, the usual Napa cabbage kimchi that you get a, a side dish, uh, you know, part of the banchan at any Korean restaurant. But I also love Korean food so I make tons of different kinds of kimchi um, and that's most of the work that I do at home um, but uh, you know my wife loves kraut so I make a bunch of different kinds of kraut um, I'm recently getting into misos so I've got a lot of chickpea miso um, happening at home that you know I'll be able to see how good that's doing in a year or so where do you source your koji right now I just get it from the Japanese supermarkets uh, around which town which is your favorite uh, there is a place near my place off Graham Avenue in Brooklyn. Um, I don't remember what the place is actually called. Graham, like Graham, what streets? Um, it's on Manhattan and Jackson. Okay. I haven't um, been there before. So. And I can't remember what the place is called, but it's great. The, all the kids around that area call it the Pocky Store because um, yeah. they've got all of that stuff. And they don't normally sell koji, but there's a very nice woman who works there who, if you know, you need specialty Japanese items, then she'll order it for you. And I feel like getting it from a place like that, as opposed to getting your koji off Amazon or something, because you absolutely could, yeah. is a much better way to go, because at least you're supporting local business and, you yeah. know. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. We got to fill you, I mean, we, we may or may not have already played this episode at this point that this is airing, but we got to tell you about this cab driver we met from I, told him. Oh, yeah, I told so him but he was talking about it yeah <laughs> because he was speaking of koji because he was nepalese yeah. right yeah, yeah, yeah. and super one, excited too like it was yeah it was awesome so i live in a two-bedroom second floor in brooklyn right so it's weird that i have outdoor space but i have 400 square feet oh. of outdoor space so of course you know it's uh, january right now i'm thinking about what my garden is going to be for uh, this next season and you know I've got like a th- four by six raised bed that I've built on top of you know the roof of my downstairs neighbors um, 
And so I'm going to be growing a whole bunch of things, and I want to be able to use every part of it. And Nepalese, uh, one of their uh, Nepalese people, one of their ferments is Gundruk. Yeah. Um, it's uh, people in the Himalayas. Uh, it's a leaf ferment. It's partially dried, uh, partially fermented way of preserving the tops of things like radishes and the extra leaves of cabbages and things like that. And I, I'm really looking forward to that episode because I, I don't have a good method. And it sounds like that guy actually gave you some tips. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's before or after now, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. So anyway, if it's if it's after, then uh, you know, spoiler alert, yeah. teaser, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. whatever. What? So, what's your favorite crowd that you guys are digging at home right now that you do? My wife is way into the miso ginger crowd right now. Yeah. How? When? When do you incorporate the miso? The miso is primary. So um, the miso is in the initial blend of everything the uh, ginger is really really finely minced but i like to leave a few big pieces so that every once in a while you get a really bright spot um i really really love our um fennel beet kraut um go really heavy on the fennel and fennel seed so there's a lot of anise but a lot of the earthy sweet you're using the bulb like the fennel bulb not the leaves right uh oh all the way out yeah every part of it yeah yeah, I I like to go no waste. Yeah. Yeah, I love uh, one of my favorite things is fennel pesto with the leaves. Oh yeah. So, so if you use like the bulb, you know, when you use the bulb and when you cook or ferment the bulb, and then I always save the uh, the fronds for pesto. Yeah. So there's another thing that I make that I call taco carrots um, because it's a lot of cumin. As the Italian. And uh, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Elmo, yeah, Elmo from Alabama. Of course, you think this guy's making kimchi and tacos all the time, right? And I do make kimchi tacos uh, too, which are phenomenal. But um, so it's really heavy on cumin, um, you know, uh, oregano, all of that sort of thing, limes, and it, it's just like shredded carrots that are great dressing on the taco yeah. right what so do you you're fermenting them yeah fermenting them uh, with all of those spices what do you do with the tops of all of those carrots you grind them up with some almonds some orange zest orange juice and a little bit of parmesan and you make a really amazing carrot top pesto Ooh, it's yeah. really really delicious yes, yeah I am, oh yeah i'm all about this that yeah. sounds awesome all right and we should say that there are lots you know lots of people in alabama that make all kinds of things you know, we're living in a, in a diverse world where you know, we're lucky you know, enough to be able to have all of these cultures and be able to, you know, make things and taste things from all of them. Exactly. Well, I mean, the way that it came about, I'm a vegetarian from Alabama. Like, yep. what are you going to eat? You're in Alabama. Yep. Well, the good news is you can grow anything yep. in Alabama all year round. But if I'm going out to a restaurant, there's not a ton that I can eat. So I go to Asian restaurants and I found... Uh, the one Korean restaurant in Birmingham um, and sat down and was like, oh my God, what are all of these things? I only ordered one thing and I've got all of these little plates around. And that was my first taste of kimchi. And ever since I've been absolutely hooked. So, you know. I think we all, everybody who's, can always remember their first, if you haven't, if you didn't grow up with eating Korean food, can Mm -hmm. always remember your first time going to Korean restaurant because you get all those little things and and it's amazing and delicious. You don't expect it. It's it's not something that just like is included 
on the menu, like when they're describing the meal, it just comes out. And yes. It's like, wow, why do I get all of these beautiful things? Like, yeah. It's just part of it. It's yeah. part of the meal. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, and I look forward yeah. to tasting your stuff next time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it's Asian ferments uh, in February. February, so of course I'm going to have probably a ton of kimchi. Right. For We're ready. I'm going to be ready. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Hi. <laughs> I'm here with. Hi. Hi. Oh my god, you're so jolly. All right, we're in the back of Fifth Hammerbury with Cheryl Passwater. Whose smile is That's me. larger than life. <laughs> Who we've had on Ferment about it a few times. Guest host. Yeah, it's been a while. Perpetual fermenter. Yeah, a little so, obsessed. <laughs> let's talk about what's going on. So you brought a delicious cranberry miso. Yeah, it's um, cranberry beans. We've been using a lot of heirloom beans. So cranberry beans with leeks, kelp, red chili, and garlic. Kelp. 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 How's What's the kelp doing for it? I mean, seaweed. It's pretty traditional yeah. in, I think, most misos. Um, I, you know, I think it adds to saltiness and, you know, yeah. sort of that minerality. You know, like, kelp has get. umami, right? Yeah, yeah, it has quite a bit of umami. It's, it's nice. I think it brings out, you know, I don't always use seaweed and stuff, but um, I do like to use um, kelp. I've been using some smoked bladderwack in some of our misos this year. Bless you. What? Smoked bladderwack, bladderwack, which what is, is bladderwack? a, and it's another variation of seaweed. But um, I found a forager here in New York City, um, and he's foraging his own bladderwack and then smoking it. So it's got that kind of you know barbecuey smokiness. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of different heirloom beans, stuff from Rancho Gordo, some things that my book editor has mailed me from Portland. Mm. Um, you know, other things, runner beans, yellow Indian peas. Yeah, lots of orca beans, cranberry beans. Um, yeah, a lot of non-soy type things. But cool. the- we sort of glossed over this. Uh, your book editor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can say that more for on that time, later. Okay, more great. on that later. <laughs> Just know that Cheryl's writing a lot right you know that now. Cheryl is awesome. And has I'm plenty writing to say hell. And is going to share it all. Awesome yeah, book. writing, stay writing, tuned. writing. But then this cranberry bean miso is um, based off a recipe that you know I'd kind of put together will be in the miso natto tempeh book coming out by Kirsten and Christopher Shockey this summer so this will be in there along with our macadamia nut miso and some other fun things so yeah I'm really excited miso is amazing I know that book I I can't I came across it recently but I mean that you know that it was coming out and it yeah. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. There's a lot of great people who have sort of contributed to that. You know, I think Kirsten and Christopher are, you know, amazing writers, amazing researchers. They really are in fermentation, I think, for great reasons and excitement. And I think they're really interesting. And I love that they're sort of, you know, they're really into the resources that are around them of other fermenters and what other people are doing. So, um, you know, really, other than the book of me, so I haven't really seen many books on miso out there that are kind of more from kind of contemporary movements of time so I'm really um, I'm really excited to sort of for this to come out and to be part of it really yeah. cool yeah. where do you recommend that people source their koji or where do you re- where do you source your koji um, South River Miso is a really good resource for koji I think on the east coast particularly um, they're sort of my go to if I need to buy like a fresh you know like sort of dried um, brown rice koji um, you know any of the sunrise, sunrise marts here in New York City you can get Cold Mountain um, which I also I like I like to make my own you know if you can get a koji maker you know you can make it more traditionally with rice or barley based kojis but 
you know, you can also, you know, make a buckwheat and quinoa and do other variations of koji, which is um, pretty fun as well. So um, those that's here on the West Coast. Um, I really like the koji made by Odon, um, which is actually a little food company in Portland, Oregon. Um, I bought some amazing, like, fresh koji from them last winter when I was in Portland teaching a series of miso classes, and it was it was ridiculously great koji. So... And here in New York City, you have been teaching classes through Brooklyn Brainery, or at Brooklyn Brainery, right? Yeah, all over. Uh, Brooklyn Brainery, Brooklyn Botanic Gardens, the 92Y, New York Botanic Gardens, Brooklyn Kitchen, um, a few other places, a lot of libraries, private workshops, corporate events. We're sort of everywhere. What's the best place for them to find, for somebody to, if they want to take a miso or kimchi or whatever class with you, best place to find out where they can take it? Um, Contrabandferments.com, Instagram, Facebook, um, you know, hit up any of those other establishments on their websites. They'll have our workshops there as well. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for talking to us. We look forward to seeing you next month and hearing more. Good luck with the writing. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.